name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 23 as we roll in to these last two chapters of the book of Joshua. I, I want to direct this particular message at all of us who believe we have life ahead of us. But I want to, uh, with some specific, uh, specificity, I want to direct it to all of you who are young. So this is a message for you young people, if you would, uh, today. Those of you who have lots of life left in front of you. Uh, in these last two chapters of Joshua, Joshua is old. Years have passed since uh, chapter 22, since last week, when uh, they divided up the tribes and the tribes returned to the, to the east side of the Jordan. You'll remember that. Chapter 23 begins like this, a long time afterward. This is at the end of Joshua's life, and he's passing the baton on to the next generation the next group of people, both the leadership and the people as a whole. And uh, so the words that Joshua is going to share both this week and next week are, are a reflection from a lifetime uh, of living, if you would. If, if you were old and you knew you didn't have very long to live, what would be your last words to someone? What would be the last things you'd want to leave with them. Well, that's what Joshua is doing here in the text before us today and next week. He is he's giving them what he'd like to say to them here at the end of his life. He's gathered all of Israel, her leaders, and what he's going to do is he's going to lay out a path. Now listen, he's going to lay out a path of faithfulness to God for the years to come. A path that leads to blessing, a path that leads to them being faithful. So so all of us people who have life in front of us, this is for all of us, a path of faithfulness. But it's a particular message for you that are young, you millennials, you young marrieds, you 30-somethings or 40-somethings that have a lot of life left in front of you. These are, this, is a great, this is a great message from Joshua for each of us, how to remain faithful in the years to come. So Joshua is going to lay out a five-fold path of faithfulness, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. So let me just dive in. The first leg of this path to faithfulness would be this. Recognize that God is at work in your life, that God has always been at work in your life. So if you have your Bibles, let me read you what Joshua says in chapter 23, beginning with verse 1. A long time after the Lord had given Israel rest from all the enemies around them, Joshua was old, advanced in age. So Joshua summoned all of Israel, including its elders, leaders, judges, and officers, and said to them, I am old and advanced in age, and you have seen for yourselves everything the Lord your God did to all these nations on your account, because it was the Lord your God who was fighting for you. See, I have allotted these remaining nations to you as an inheritance for your tribes, including all the nations I have destroyed from the Jordan westward to the Mediterranean. The Lord your God will force them back on your account and drive them out before you so that you can possess, uh, so that you can take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Now drop down to verses 9 and 10, same, same chapter. The Lord has driven out great and powerful nations before you, and no one is able to stand against you to this day. One of you routed a thousand because the Lord your God was fighting for you as he promised. 
I believe a key to you and me remaining faithful in the years to come will be this, that we recognize that God, it is God who has been at work in our lives, and it is God who is at work in our lives today, and it is God who will be at work in our lives tomorrow. We must never forget that if we're to be faithful. And by extension, if we'll remember that it is God that has been at work in our life, then, then we can recognize that every blessing that's come to us along the way has come from the hands of God. Joshua reminds them that it is God who's driven out the Canaanites. You know, they didn't just get lucky. Don't you and me, we tend to think sometimes when things go our way, we, maybe not all of you, maybe it's just me, but we tend to think, oh man, I got lucky, you know? Or we think something like, uh, wow, the stars. I don't think none of us say the stars are in our favor, but uh, we do say we got lucky. But James, the, James, the half-brother of Jesus, when he wrote his book, he said, every good and perfect gift comes uh, down from above, from the Father of lights. Now, the least that, that James means is this. The least thing he means is this, that all good things come from God. So if He's the one who created goodness. So if you've had something good in your life, at least in that way, God's responsible for it. But I think that James and I think Joshua means something much more than that. I think what they're saying is, both of them are saying the same thing. It is God that has been working in your life. And the good things that come to your life, they come because God has purposely brought them for you or God has, has worked them into your life. He's the author of what is good. Now, I'd say that, uh, I'd say that, let me, let me, I lost my train of thought. If we are faithful to God, uh, to God in the years to come, we need to recognize that it's always been God that's working in our life in the past, and it'll be him that's working in our life in the future. Paul says this, he says uh, in Philippians 2, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. So why is it that if I recognize that God has been working in my life, why is that the path of faithfulness to God? I think it's this, because if I recognize that God has been faithful to me, always working in my life, that's an impetus for me to be faithful to him. It's when I think that God isn't working in my life that I tend to, you know, want to, you know, not necessarily be faithful to him. Let's face it, when everything's going well in our life and everything's going good, don't we say things like this? You know, wow, God's really working in my life because everything's going good, right? But what about when it's not going so good? When things, when we're suffering, when people we love die, or, I mean, you know, it's, it's something really bad happens and we're in a lot of pain, we tend to ask this question, don't we? Where is God now? Why isn't God at work in my life? Why isn't God here so my point this morning, and Joshua's point, I believe, to them is, don't you ever forget that you got here because God got you here, because God has been at work in your life, because God has been with you. If you forget that, you're going to tend to forget that you need to be faithful to God. You're going to tend to not necessarily want to be faithful to God, especially if you're, if you're suffering. Let me say one more thing about that before I go on. And we sang about it today. This is what was so cool. We sang about it today. That even when we're suffering, God is right there. He's at work in my life. He hasn't abandoned me or left me. It might seem somehow feeling-wise that God is far away, but he's not. He's right there with me. And so we can sing with, with Rich and through Ronnie's song, we can sing, I will trust in you even when it's rough. Young people, listen, young adults, younger than me and older than me, the, the path to being faithful in the future 
is recognizing that God has been at work in your life all along, and he will continue to be till the end. Here's the second leg of the path of faithfulness, if you would. It is to choose to obey God's word completely. Look at verse 6. Again, these are the words of Joshua. I'm trying to share with you his path to faithfulness that he shared with them that day. He says, hey, obey the word of God. Verse 6, be very strong and continue obeying all that's written in the book of the law of Moses so that you do not turn from it to the right or the left. Now, you probably recognize that, don't you? That's exactly what God said to Joshua at the very beginning of his ministry. He said, Joshua, be faithful, be careful to obey everything that Moses told you in his book. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Here's Joshua, really near the end of his life, giving his last hurrah to the people. He's saying, guys, the key to faithfulness is that you listen to the word of God, that you stand by Moses' words, and you don't turn away from it to the right or to the left. Actually, this is what faith is, everyone. This is what faith is. It is hearing the word of God, believing the word of God, and then obeying the word of God or doing the word of God. That's what what faith is. Faith isn't some intellectual assent to, to some set of facts. Faith is more than that. Faith is hearing God, believing God, and then obeying God. That's what faith is. Remember the brother of Jesus, James. Again, let me quote to you from his book. He, this is what he says about faith. He says, faith and fa- or faithfulness is seen in being a doer of the word. Here's James chapter 1. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Because if anyone is hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone who looks at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately he forgets what kind of person he was. You know, I think, you know, I think what that means is simply you look in the mirror and you walk away a couple seconds later and you forget what you look like. You're not thinking about what you look like. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. And then more clearly maybe than that, the next chapter, here's what James says again. Senseless person, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Is useless. For just as the body without the breath is dead, so also faith without works is dead is dead. A key to remaining faithful for the rest of your lives is going to be for you and for me to stay connected in the revealed word of God, living it and obeying it and knowing it. So the apostle Paul in the New Testament would say to the church at Colossae, he would, he would say, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom and teaching and teaching. He would say to the church at Rome, he'd say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He doesn't say how to renew your mind, but it's obvious we, how we renew our mind. We remo- renew our mind through the word of God. That's how we refresh and renew our mind. Now, over the years, I've made this point many times, so I'm just going to mention it again. But for the word of God to richly dwell in you so that you can then in turn obey the word of God and be careful not to turn to the right or to the left, the the key to that is, and, and here it is, and you know it, it's what? It's that you know the Word of God, that you read the Word of God, or you study the Word of God, or you you learn the Word of God so that you can have understanding of what it says. You cannot, you and I cannot be faithful to the Word of God if we don't know what the Word of God says. So the pathway to faithfulness goes right down the middle of your Bibles. I mean, if you're going to be faithful to the Lord for the rest of your years, You need to know your Bible and you need to continue to learn your Bible and grow and grow in your understanding of the things of God. 
If I could ask you a serious question this morning, how are you doing that? I mean, this is, this is a rhetorical question, but it's not meant to just not be answered by you. What are you doing to learn the Word of God? You personally, what are you doing? What are you, what are you engaging in so that you're knowing the Word of God so that you can be faithful to obey the Word of God and not turn to the right line? What are you doing? And you might say, well, well, Jimmy, I'm here this morning. I'm joining us personally or I'm joining us via live stream. That's how, that's how I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. And that's good. And I want you to know that I'm doing my very best to teach us what the book of Joshua in the word of God says and how it applies uh, to us this morning. But I want to just say, listen, this is not enough. This is not enough for your learning of the word of God so that you can be faithful to, to do it. Um, you remember the commission that Jesus gave us right on the mountain there right before he left? He gave it to his disciples, but by extension, we believe he gave it to us. He says, go therefore into all the nations and we're to do something. What is it? Not a rhetorical question. What is it? Make disciples, right? And what's a disciple? It's a learner. So we're to go throughout all the nations and we're to make learners. That means that I need to be a teacher. I need to be a teacher of the word. Not me as a pastor, me as Jimmy. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I need to be a teacher of God's word to others. All right? But, but don't forget this. Before you can be a disciple maker, you need to be a disciple yourself. And what is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. And there's never a time when you're not to be learning. There's never a time when you're not to be growing in your understanding of the Word of God. So you, you have to be a learner. And, that, and, and, and listen, I think reading the Word of God is, is wonderful, and I think you need to read the Word of God, but you need to read it for more than just the tick mark on your daily quiet time book. You need to read the Word of God so that you're reading it to understand it. And, and, and we live in a day and an age where there's no excuse for those of us who follow Jesus not to have great teachers teach us. I mean, it's just, it's, it's right there available on your phone or it's available on your, you can have some of the greatest teachers in the world teach you. And so young people, especially, and old people too, see, this doesn't excuse, it just doesn't exclude you. Okay, bro, this is including you too. I think he might be our senior here this morning. But anyway, it's, it's, this is the key for you remaining faithful the rest of your life to Jesus is that you're constantly learning the word of God so that you can be faithful to the word of God and not turn away from it. Here's the third leg of that path to faithfulness. It's a path that runs its course uh, in this way. Don't live like everyone else around you. Look at verse seven. It's the next verse that follows the one we just read. And, so, and this is Joshua talking to them. And so that you do not associate with the nations remaining among you. Do not call on the names of their gods or make an oath to them. Do not serve them or bow and worship to them. Instead, be loyal to the Lord your God as you have been to this day. So here's what Joshua says to them. If you want to be faithful, don't be like everyone else around you. Don't be like the people that, that are everywhere in your community, he says. Don't worship what they worship. Don't love what they love. Instead, you be loyal to God. You be different. In fact, I think this is one of the reasons why they were to, to exterminate. I hate to use that word, but they were to kill or to remove everyone is because so they would not follow after these other folks that lived around them. They were to be different and be loyal to, the, to God. Now, this applies to us 
Don't be like the culture around us. I mean, I think in the same way that, that Joshua said to them, don't be like everyone else around you. Maybe even more so it applies to us. Don't be like everyone else around you in culture. You be different than them. But I want you to know that this is really hard to understand. What is it in culture that we should reject? What is it about everyone around us that we should not be like? Should we not dress like them? Should we not eat the same foods that they eat? What, what is it that we, are, that we are to reject? And should we dress differently than them? How should we be different? Now, now, what really makes it hard is that when it comes to Israel, they were to be different in all those ways. They had different foods than everyone else around them. They dressed differently. They had different hairstyles, different clothing. They had no tattoos. And their privates even looked different. Everything about them as a people was to look different. But now, but now God has taken the first covenant and he's made it obsolete. He's done away with it. And now he's made a new covenant with all the nations of the world, whosoever will may come. And so all of us now are a part of a new nation, but we're comprised of all kinds of different nations. And so from so many different nations around the world, we don't have the same dress requirements and food requirements and all those things that he asked of Israel. None of that is, none of that's for us. That was all under the first covenant. That's not for us. So what are, how are we to be different from our culture around us? What does it look like to be different from everyone else uh, that you live near? Well, here, here's my thoughts. These are just Jimmy trying to apply this to, to our day and age. But here, here's what I'd say. We live in a culture that worships three things. Pleasure, prosperity, and power. In fact, I think all three of those things appeal to our sinful brokenness, all right? But those are the things that our, our culture generally uh, worships, prioritizes, pleasure, prosperity, and power. And the values of our culture are individualism and self-realization. Those seem to be the values. So if we're not to be like them, we're, we're to have... We're to have a different kind of um, priority in our life. And, and so our, our priorities, instead of being pleasure and prosperity and power, here's what I think they should be. Our priorities should be people and relationships. And the things that we value should be servanthood and humility. Now, again, I mean, this is just Jimmy trying to apply. The, these, all, these things are all true. Now, whether this is how we're to stand out different than our, than our community and culture around us, I'm not sure. I did have this thought this morning when I was practicing this and going over it in my heart and mind was Jesus said, you remember the distinguishing mark that Jesus said that everyone would know that you're my disciples? For the Jews, everyone would know that you're my disciples because your hairstyle is different and, and you didn't do tattoos and you didn't eat shellfish and all those kind of things that were true of Israel. That's how you distinguish them by the way they looked. Well, Jesus says, by this, all men will know that you belong to me is that you what? You love one another. That you love one another, that you prioritize people, that you value selflessness and, and, and servanthood and humility. I, I think those, that's how we're to look different. So young people, the, the one thing, and us old people too, I'm not going to keep saying that. I just, you know, I'm, I'm just, I've told you all this before, you know, um, as, as I've gotten older, the, 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 uh, the goal line seems further away. I don't know if y'all understand. I say that a lot. I don't even know if you understand what I mean by that. I just thought I'd get there. I thought it'd be really easy to make it to the goal 
of being faithful to Jesus all the way to the end of my life. I thought it would be really, really easy. The older I've gotten, the harder it is, the more tugs there are on, on my unfaithfulness, right? I mean, when I was a 30-something and even a 40-something man, it was like, oh man, it's going to be a piece of cake to make it to the end. I'm already there. As a 60-year-old man now, I, I, it's harder. And the finish line seems further away. But the truth is, you young people, you've got a lot further to go than me in being faithful to the Lord. Right? Some of you 20s, 30s, you got a long way to go being faithful to the Lord. How are you going to be faithful to the Lord? Well, part of it, part of it is that you're going to choose not to be like everyone else around you. You're going to make a, de- you're going to make a decision. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to live like Jesus. I'm going to act like Jesus. I'm going to love like Jesus. I'm not going to value what my culture around me values, prosperity, power. I'm not going to prioritize those in my life. I'm going to prioritize the things that Jesus prioritizes in his life or in his life. Number four, the path of faithfulness leads us to love God emotionally, rationally, and willfully. Now, I'm reading more into, uh, into the word love than is actually there. But if you look at verse 11, it says, So diligently watch yourself, Joshua says to them. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. You and I won't be faithful if you don't love God. Faithfulness flows from loving God. Let me say that again. I really believe that faithfulness ultimately flows from me loving God. And that's what Joshua says to them, love the Lord your God. Now, I don't know that Joshua's thinking back to Moses' words in the Shema. You know what the Shema is? The Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. And the Shema was the hero Israel statement of, uh, of Moses in Deuteronomy. And this is what he said, hero Israel, Shema Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now Moses, Moses was telling them this, love God with all of your being. That's what he was saying. Now Jesus picks up on this, and when he's asked the greatest commandment, you know what he said, right? He basically used the Shema of the Old Testament. He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Now Jesus didn't mean we're a four-part person. What he simply meant was just love God with every part of your being. I mean, with, with all of you, love the Lord your God. He meant the same thing Moses meant. So the question for us today is, if, if, if the key to faithfulness is loving God, how do I stay in love with God all of my life? How do I do that? Now, if we were trying to answer the question of how do I love God emotionally uh, all of my life, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to do that because emotions... You know, our emotions are responses so often to things. They're, they're not the, so, so too often we're driven by our emotions when really our emotions should be the caboose. They should be what follows faithfulness, right? So I, I don't think love is, I don't, I don't think we're talking about the, the emotion of love here when I say that when, when Moses said or when Joshua said, love God or Jesus said, love God with all your heart, with all your being. I don't think he's talking about emotionally there. And uh, so here, I don't think I can tell you how to love God emotionally, but I think I can tell you how to love God unconditionally. And it's this, it's by choosing to prioritize God in your life. You see, loving someone is choosing to prioritize them 
uh, in your being. So we can prioritize God with our heart. That is the center of my life. I can prioritize God with my mind and my thinking. I can prioritize him with my strength. That is my body. I can prioritize God with my soul. That is my life. In other words, I can choose to put God first, and I think that's what it means to love God. So, so everyone, listen. If you're going to be faithful to God, loving him means prioritizing him. So if you're going to be faithful to him to the end, you have to, you have to prioritize him. You have to put him first. You have to choose to put him first in your life, whether you feel like it or not. Now, I want to add this as I, as I end this point. I want to add this, that I think that so often if I choose to prioritize whoever I'm loving, then feelings follow. In other words, if, if I'll make a decision to love and to do what's right, then almost invariably my emotions will follow. I've actually watched that. I just looked out over the room. I, I saw people that have actually done that. When they didn't feel loving uh, to a certain person, they acted loving, they prioritized them, and feelings, and feelings came back. So I'm telling you, everyone, our feelings for God may come and go just like our feelings for each other may wane and grow hot and wane. In the same way, if we'll prioritize God and put him first, love him unconditionally by prioritizing him in our heart and our mind and our, and our being, then I think feelings, your emotions will tag along. Now, the final, the final leg of this path to faithfulness, if you would, runs through the valley of counting the cost of unfaithfulness. Let's look at verse 12. If you ever turn away and become loyal to the rest of these nations remaining among you, this is Joshua speaking to Israel, and if you intermarry or associate with them and they with you, Know for certain that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out before you. They will become a snare and a trap for you, a sharp stick in your sides and a thorn in your eyes until you disappear from this good land and the Lord that the Lord your God has given you. I am now going the way of the whole earth, and you know with all my heart, with all your heart and all your soul, that none of the good promises of the Lord your God that the Lord your God made you has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. Since every good thing the Lord your God has promised has come about, so he will bring on you every bad thing until he has annihilated you from this good land the Lord your God has given you. If you break the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow in worship of them, the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly disappear from this good land that he has given you. So this last key, this last path to faithfulness, Joshua gives them is this. Consider the cost of unfaithfulness. Man, I, I, I tell you what, I really think this last point, you might not like it because you might not like the negative, but this last point is a, is a great help in remaining faithful. He says, remember the price of unfaithfulness. What a grave consequence, he says to them. You will lose the land. The land that you fought so hard for, the land that God has fought to give you, you will lose it if you become unfaithful. And guess what, everyone? They will lose the land, and they do lose, they do lose the land. In the New Testament, God says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. 
It also says that every son that God receives, he disciplines. The path to faithfulness is often kept when we recognize the cost of being unfaithful to the Lord. The reason we discipline our children is so that they might feel some painful consequences for their disobedience so that their bigger their bigger actions later on won't reap for them even greater negative consequences because our actions are rarely neutral. Our actions carry consequences. And we often think we're getting away with things with God because God doesn't smack us down. So because there's not a a corporal painful thing in response to what we do that's wrong that we know is wrong and, and so we think we get by it. It's like It's like we're on a chat and God's not there. He's not even listening to what we're doing. But but God is gracious. God is merciful. And here's why I think that is, everyone. I think it's because he stays his hand, as as a loving father often does with his children, calling calling us to repentance. I don't know about you. I, I raised six children. And there were times when I said to them, if you do this, you will reap this consequence. And you know, and they did that thing. And there were times when I did not give them the consequence of their disobedience or rebellion. I was merciful. I was, you know, I was gracious. I allowed them to slide, you know, because I, I, I spoke to them. And, and I think the reason why so often we think we're getting away with things with God is because God is gracious and merciful as well. And he stays his hand and his spirit, his spirit works on us and his spirit speaks to us seeking to bring us to repentance and bring us back without having to discipline us uh, as children, not having to help us, not having to bring about on us the, the reaping of what we deserve for what we've done. A good parabolic example of this is the parable of the unfruitful tree. Remember that story? The vineyard owner walks through the vineyard and he sees a tree that he's been to three years in a row, never has fruit. He's really upset. He says to the vine dresser, he says, cut that tree down. And the vineyard dresser, who we believe to be the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit says to the vineyard owner, says, give it one more year. I'll tilt around its roots, I'll fertilize it, give it one more year. But if it doesn't bring forth fruit this year, then I'll cut it down, as you say. And that's a great example. God is constantly, I think, trying to woo us back from our disobedience, from the places that can cause us to reap great negative consequences. He's kind of trying to woo us back, and we're not, we're not even listening. We're not taking advantage of God's graciousness and mercy. God said to Israel in the book of Isaiah, through Isaiah the prophet, he said, I spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in the path that is not good, following their own thoughts. These people are continually anger. They continually anger me to my faith, face. Then in verse 5, he says, these practices are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all day long. Look, it is written in front of me. I will not keep silent, but I will repay. I will repay them fully for, their, for your iniquity and the iniquities of your ancestors together, says the Lord. Now notice verse, the verse 1 says, I spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk the path that is not good. But then the last verse that I read you says, but I will repay. 
God is good. God's a good, good father. But he's also a righteous God. He will not be mocked. And so, young folks, if you're going to stay faithful, always keep in mind the consequences of your rebellion and the great cost that it can bring to you, your rebellion. Do you remember Moses when he first uh, instructed them uh, in Deuteronomy to, when they got into the promised land, they were to go to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And we've talked about this twice. You surely remember this. And they were to stand on two mountains and half of them were to pronounce blessings on, on them. And the other half was to say, here's the curses if we, if we rebel. And, uh, and there they renewed their covenant. And then when they got into the land, they renewed their covenant again with Joshua on Mount Ebal and Mount, Mount Gerizim like Moses had instructed them to. But back when Moses renewed the covenant with them in the land before he died, I mean, in, outside the land in the wilderness before they went into the land, here's, here's what Moses then said to them. He said, I call heaven and earth as a witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God. Obey him. Remain faithful to him. For he is your life and he will prolong your days as you live in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And here at the end of, the, end of his life, Joshua's doing the very same thing. He's calling on heaven and earth to be a witness between them and this path of faithfulness and this path of rebellion. And he's saying, you got a choice to make. And I want to say to all of us today, whether you're listening by live stream or whether you're, you're here in the room with me, we, we've always got a choice, a choice of faithfulness to God or a choice of unfaithfulness to God. And in the decisions that I make, they lead me in a certain direction. They, they carry me to a certain end. The theistic determinist is wrong. So is the natural determinist. You have a libertarian choice to make. And it's a choice you've got to make every single day. Whether you're going to follow the Lord or not. Whether you're going to walk in faithfulness to the Lord. Let me ask you this morning. This is my conclusion, okay? Where do you want to live? Where will you live? Will you live on the mountain of faithfulness? Or will you live on the mountain of of betrayal and disloyalty. Here's what Joshua says. Live on the mountain of faithfulness, and here's how you do it. Remember, God's been at work in your life. He hasn't ever stopped. He never will. He'll always be faithful to you. You be faithful to him. Choose to obey the word of God. Know it. Don't turn to the right or to the left from it. You follow the word of God. Don't be like everyone else around you. Be different. Don't prize money and things and power. Prize people and relationships. Prize, prize humility and selflessness and servanthood. Love God with all your being. You know, make a choice. Prioritize God. And then count the cost of walking away. I hope all of us all of us will choose the path of faithfulness however many days we have left. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for these uh, convicting and challenging words from Joshua. You know, and, and Lord, I really want to pray for all of us that we will be faithful, that we will remain faithful to you. Thank you, Spirit, that this is not like I have to hold on to a rope and I have no strength to hold on to it or I'm 
doing a chin up and I just can't hold myself up anymore. Lord, thank you that it's not like that at all. Father, you have me and you will keep me, you'll grace me, Lord, to be able to uh, walk with you. But yet at the same time, I have a choice that I need to depend on you. And Lord, I really want to pray for all of us. I want to pray for everyone in the room here listening to my voice uh, in real time, right here in my presence. Lord, I pray for all of us that we will be faithful to you. And Lord, whether we're 85 or whether we're just five, Lord, that all the days of our life, we will continue to trust in you and, and follow you and love you and serve you and be loyal to you. And Lord, I pray that you'll use our life. Lord, in our faithfulness to you, I pray that you'll use our life to change the world around us. Lord, we know that the new kingdom is coming. The new kingdom is here. Lord, we're part of it. Lord, help us to live it so that the world around us would notice this difference in us. Father, help us to... Help us to love one another so that people would say there's something different about you people. Lord, help us to live the kingdom life now, knowing, Lord, that the kingdom is coming because you are king. Father, thank you for these challenging words. Lord, I, I thank you for the, the promise of the Holy Spirit to help us, Lord. And we just, we trust, we trust in you, and we will trust in you until the day we see you. Lord, I pray that not just for everyone here, but everyone on the live stream who's listening, sitting in their homes. Even now, Lord, would you be speaking to their hearts about choosing faithfulness? And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Thank you.